It's funny because when people see me here in LA, they're like, oh, you play for the Sparks, you're back in season. <laughs> and they're like, so where are you in the off season? And I'm like, well, I, I live in Russia. Like they ask me where I live. I'm like, I live in Russia. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm there for seven months. That's where I live. That's where I make, you know, a bulk of my living. Welcome to Needing Dough, the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. I'm Andrew Hawkins, but at this point, you probably know me as Hawk. Here on Needing Dough, Uninterrupted CEO Maverick Carter sits down with your favorite athletes to talk about how they learn to manage the life-changing amounts of money that becoming a pro athlete can provide. And that's where I come in. As a former NFL wide receiver, I'm going to bring my personal perspective on how these lessons from legends translate to you and your life. Now, before we get started with this conversation, featuring WNBA superstar Neka Agwumake, Needing Dough, the podcast, is presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. New episodes drop every other Tuesday, so be sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows. And now, just after the start of the WNBA season, I am thrilled to have WNBA superstar Neka Agwumake here on Needing Dough. Since being drafted first overall in 2012, Neka's made it to five WNBA All-Star teams, won the league MVP in 2016, and she's been serving as the president of the WNBA Players Association for the past few years. In today's show, you'll hear Neka talk about how her parents supported her basketball dreams and what it's like to play two professional seasons in one calendar year. So let's get to it. Here's Maverick in his conversation with Neka Agumake. Neka. Thank you for coming on Needing Dough with me. Pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Big pleasure. Obviously, um, you being such a successful athlete and basketball player and obviously also successful off the court, I mean, four consecutive Final Fours. You won the championship in the WNBA and the EuroLeague title in 16, so it's just a pleasure to have you on. This week, you've been having fun, obviously, because you won the body issue. Yeah. And went to the party. How was the party, by the way? It was fun. Was it fun? Yeah, Naughty by Nature was performing, and most importantly, my sister was there, and all my teammates were there, so we were able to have some fun. It was it was a good time. Did you, were you a little nervous to do the body issue? I'm always wondering if people are a little nervous. You know, I, I wasn't. You weren't? No, I wasn't. I mean, I think the hardest part was just derobing, and after that... <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the part that I yeah. think you'd be nervous about, like, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And then oh. boom. And then you it's do not it. like you could like you guys didn't see anything and put exactly. it back on. No, you just got to leave it off. Got it. Well, yeah. congratulations on all your success. So, um, growing up, tell us a little bit about like what your upbringing was like, like with your family and your sisters and all that. What was it like just growing up in your family? Uh, I mean, you know, I wasn't an only child for very long, and <laughs> <laughs> the gang was all there when by the time I was about eight years old. And um, it's always been all about family camaraderie and working together and making sure everybody is, um, you know, we have expectations of each other, so making sure everybody is up to par and doing their best, but also enjoying what they're doing. So uh, whether it came to schoolwork, extracurriculars, student council, sports, it was all kind of a family affair type of thing, and everybody had their own little input on um, what they could do to help the situation, so. Well, that's awesome because, you you know, when you, it's like being a part of a team, right? You expect exactly. set expectations, like if you're the person that's supposed to score 25, 
we need you to score 25. If I'm the person that's supposed to get 10 rebounds, I got to do that. Yeah. And the, with your family, who set those expectations? Was it your parents? And then it just trickled down, you being the oldest. Like, who actually set the expectations and who held them? Without a doubt, my parents. Yeah. And um, a little bit more specifically to my mom. Um, you know, when you think about a house with four girls, you're like, oh, complete chaos. Yeah, with like glitter sprinkled bathroom. everywhere. <laughs> How's it going to be bathroom time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, we have those moments, but we always made it work. Um, but it definitely trickled down and then I kind of became like parent number three. Yep. So I was like the sergeant and I had to make sure that my sisters were in line. But at the same time, you know, I, I was a sister too. So I would always kind of, you know, cover things up sometimes. Or like, hey, if you want to do that, like, I can, I can finagle our way <laughs> I into. Yeah, yeah, I can help you figure it out. We were bartering. It was. <laughs> it I'll was trade very, you this. Yeah. You give me this. Yeah, yes. yeah. So we we were a team. Got it. And yeah. what were the what were some of the values? What were the things that your parents valued? Like, like what were the things that they really put? You guys got to value these things. Um, definitely the importance of family. Um, education was huge and uh, I think in in a world full of so many options and so many interests staying versatile but also giving a hundred percent and being very respectful um, in what you do and, and I think that's kind of created uh, the leadership that you see in me and Cheney and even my younger sisters um, in our experiences we kind of we try to do the best that we can even if we're not necessarily the best at what it is that we're doing we give it our all yep yeah and did your parents teach you guys about money or talk to you about money or like when you start making money this is what you got to do with it and really start and at what age did they start with you teaching you about money uh i would say that i started when i was maybe towards the end of middle school entering high school um we started learning a little bit more about money when we started making it um in, in more detail i guess you could say i mean obviously when you're in the store you're like oh mom i want that <laughs> and she's like uh look at the price tag so then that's when we started figuring out okay this is thirty dollars and she said we couldn't buy it so let's go for something that's twenty dollars you know let's find our yeah, range <laughs> exactly so um and then also like we're very observant kids very smart kids so we kind of figured things out based on what we saw and our parents i mean they there's nothing that I could say that I wanted that I didn't have, you know, they always made it work um, for all of us. And there weren't things that I was yearning for. But um, I think that they did it in a way that was resourceful, yep. incredibly resourceful. And so when I started making money, my first job was I was a receptionist at my mom's school. She wow. was a principal. How old were you? Ooh. I think I was 12, 13. Wow. Yeah. And so like in the summer. I would just sit there answering phones like Hamilton Middle School. <laughs> <laughs> and I just would patch people into whoever they needed to talk to. And I had like a lunch break and everything. Sometimes I would work through my lunch break so that I could wow. get off early. So all four of us did that job. And did yeah. you, doing that job, were you doing it because you're like, oh, I'm going to work this job because I want to buy that new bike or that new thing? Or were you just like, your mom was like, you got to go to work. Work is a thing that we do. Um, I think it became more of a, I guess, a role of independence. For me, um, my dad travels back and forth for work in Nigeria. And so I was like, okay, I need he to be able to... He goes to Nigeria in America. Yeah, he goes back and forth. And so I was, I was telling my mom, I was like, okay, you know, 
whatever I can do to help, I can. So I got a hardship driver's license. I was able to start driving early. How old were you when you were driving? 15. Wow. Yeah, so I started learning at 14, and then I ended up getting a hardship license so I could drive my sister. So I was thinking about gas money, and then, like, after school, wow. Cheney and I would go... Because with sports, you know, you have practice or games. Of course. So instead of having to go home, I would say, like, okay, let's go to Subway. So, like, I was trying to pay for food and stuff like that. That's kind of what drove me. And so you worked that job at 12. So yeah. what did you do with your first... Do you remember what it was like getting that first paycheck at 12 years old? Oh, yeah. I was just like, hey. I got money. <laughs> yeah. Then my mom took it. She's like, here, I'm going to put it in your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, but I mean, I, I wasn't the type of kid to go and spend it willy-nilly I knew what I needed to spend my money on but if I wanted to treat my sisters here and there that's kind of what I was able to use it for good and do your parents still help you to this day oh yes do they really absolutely your mom's still the same way she's still like give me that check well not necessarily <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily but she'll always say mommy advice lower the spending or pay your Amex bill or oh, so she paid yeah. attention to your budgeting oh and spending? yeah 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 I mean not not down to the detail but, but she's 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 focused on it. Yeah, she's focused on it just to kind of guide me. And then my dad helps me do my taxes. That's and, amazing. Yeah, and um, my uncle as well, he really he really helps with um, kind of putting things in perspective. He's kind of, he balances it out because, you know, we'll be walking in the mall. He's like, yeah, you got to treat yourself sometimes. <laughs> Make and yourself I'm like, feel good. I'm like, see, there is a balance. <laughs> <laughs> There's mod balance and moderation. Yes, exactly. yes. So with you, Sinead, you're obviously, you're, younger two sisters playing at Rice. Basketball and your parents still helping has become a bit of a family business for you guys. It's like a family business. Yeah, and um, I would have to say the most, the most blessing that we've got out of it is that we haven't had to pay for any type of education, which I think for four kids, for one, it's it's huge. But for four kids, I think that's remarkable. Yeah, that is remarkable. Yeah. And you know, Sometimes going into business with your family can be tough, and people say it's tough. Yeah. But you guys seem to make it work fantastically. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have a mutual respect for each other's um, personal endeavors and interests and dreams. Um, but we also have a grand understanding of, you know, the importance of securing yourself and preparing for the future. And everybody does it in their own way. Yeah. And at what point did you, and maybe even Shanae, realize that, like, whoa, I can earn a living playing basketball. Like, I love playing basketball, because you probably yeah. started off playing for the love of it. But at some point you realize, this could be my job. Yeah, um, I started off playing because I tell the people this all the time, I grew too tall for gymnastics, and um, I wanted to stay active. My mom was very adamant about staying active, so she signed me up for AAU. And then once I was in AAU, I realized, I was like, what are, who are all these people coming to the gyms, you know, <laughs> wearing these shirts with different decals on them? And I was, and I was told that, oh, you know, they're colleges. And you had no idea. I was like, what? Why are they coming to watch us? And then as I got better, I realized, hey, I can get an education out of this. And that's kind of where I really, it's not what drove me, but I found, you know, an opportunity in playing sports. So, so you obviously... It's interesting to hear you talk about basketball and your parents and your uncle helping you. And you obviously went to Stanford, which is a, you know, one of the finest universities in the country. But would you say your family and your family's mindset or Stanford help you better prepare to deal with the, the money and the business of basketball today? Uh, I would definitely say my family. Not that Stanford didn't, but when I was at Stanford, I was more focused on 
classes, you know, exams, practices, games, and just narrowing my focus. But um, I can't even really say I was thinking much about finances in college. I was so focused that, you know, I really tried to stretch whatever I had. Now, of course, I was on a scholarship. I mean, there might have been, I mean, as every college student experiences, there might have been times when I was like, okay, do I fill up my tank or do I go to Chipotle? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but then you start to understand how to balance that out. Yep, yeah, exactly. And did, when did your parents come to America? How old were they? Oh, I think 16. 16, yeah, so they've been here a while. So by the time they had you and the kids, they probably understood sports as a business. They already understand. Did they get like, you can go to college for free in America if you're a good athlete and make money? Did they get that whole part of it? I don't think that they understood the athlete part, but I do think that they understood um, scholarships. And that's why education was so huge, because people get academic scholarships. And then once basketball rolled along, they're like, oh, well, there's another way you can do it, you know? Yeah. And so it was kind of a, a, a learning curve for everybody. Yeah. And of course, I was the guinea pig. Yeah. And it worked out. So they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, maybe I'll become a pro athlete. But taking that leap, really taking any kind of leap, can be really hard. I can vividly remember the day that I made the conscious decision that I would chase my pro dreams. It was Thanksgiving weekend after my last season of college football. And yes, every athlete at some point in time contemplates whether or not they have what it takes to make it to the big leagues. But for me, I understood that this was a risk and honestly, a far-fetched one. I knew I had to be committed, which is what I was. But in that, I didn't tell anybody because honestly, I didn't want to be laughed at or I didn't want anybody else's doubt seeping into my thoughts. So I worked out around the clock. I had to take odd jobs working in a factory and as a caddy. And to be honest, it probably took years off my life. So from experience, I can tell you how important it is to have the support from the people around you when you're taking a big risk. And your parents, because obviously they, it sounds like, and I kind of know from my experience, value, Nigerians value education, correct? Like education is a big, hugely value education. So they wanted you to use basketball to get an education. At what point and what did they think when you're like, no, this is actually going to be my job. I'm going to turn basketball into my job. Well, I didn't realize it till like, you know, halfway through my senior year of college. R that late? Yeah. Up until like, up until halfway through my last year, I was just convinced. I was like, okay, let me... Let me go into a post-baccalaureate program and get my pre-med out of the way and see what I can do. I was, I was leaning towards, um, at first I wanted to be an obstetrician, then I was thinking about pediatrics, and then I was really leaning more towards DDS, becoming a, an orthodontist. Or, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, then as the year that I had started going, I was like, oh. I mean, it was mostly Chine. Chine was like, you can do this. <laughs> and, so, and so I was like, okay, you're right, I can. And um, things just kind of fell into place. Um, I prepared myself, I graduated early. Yep. So I was able to enter the draft and smooth my way on into And your parents game. just were kind of like, if this is what you, did they have an opinion on it? Um, I mean, they were supportive, you know. I, there wasn't any pushback. We've had family members that have played professionally. Um, but they also saw it as, you know, a way f for me to make a really great living. Yep. Um, 
even going into WNBA, we still weren't completely knowledgeable about overseas play. So that was another thing for me that I didn't truly understand either. Um, but we obviously knew the discrepancy in um, pay when of it course. comes to yeah women and men. But, Huge yeah. discrepancy. And talking about that discrepancy, obviously the max in the WNBA is somewhere around one hundred and ten thousand dollars, whatever. And the minimum the NBA is like five times that, basically about yeah. five hundred twenty-five. And you're obviously the president of the union. Like, how do we work to keep closing that gap, and how does that make you feel when you think about that? Uh. I mean, I feel like we have a lot of work to do, um, but I also feel as though, you know, we're, what, I think 21 years in. Yep. Um, it's still quite young. Very you young, know, yeah. It's still quite young. Um, but I think that getting that, getting that type of money or um, that type of progress financially for us, it starts with notoriety and um, interest, you know. It's getting better. Yep. Um, and once you get more people, more eyes on us, more ears on us, it'll bring more businesses and, you know, more private entities that want to put in and um, really help support us. So, Absolutely. And, yeah. and WNBA players, a lot of them have to do, like you said, you spoke about overseas, have to do a lot of things to generate income in other ways because not a lot of them are making enough to that be their only source of income. What are some of the things that are some of the ways that you've heard of women earning other ways besides playing in WNBA, things that they have to do to earn money? Oh, I mean, there's a lot. I think that's the beautiful thing about our league is that uh, a major majority of us have degrees. And so you have people that own franchises. You have people that started their own businesses. I mean, some pe some some of the women in our league have hairlines, uh, ice cream stores. Wow. And they're um, working in different companies, interning even for the NBA and stuff like that. And so you have a lot of uh, very ambitious women in the league. So I'm sure that makes great conversation in the locker room. Oh yeah. So I'm absolutely. sure you're you're you know I was talking to Chris Bosh about this. He had a funny thing. He said to me, he says, "Ma'am, you know." One day I looked up in our locker room because he played obviously on the team with like Ray Allen and Rashard Lewis and LeBron and D-Wade. And he goes, all those guys were doing kind of all the things you just mentioned. And, you know, we talk about like the latest article in the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal is. And he goes, all those guys left. And one day I looked up and our whole locker room was like talking about Snapchat. <laughs> and I was like, what the yeah. fuck happened? Like, what? And he's like, I was the only old guy. Who, I, he's like, I don't even have Snapchat. But, <laughs> Like, but so I'm sure in your locker room, you in the WNBA locker rooms, it's a much, it's an elevated conversation. Oh, absolutely. About business and yeah. things like that. Yeah, current events, you know, the latest news. I mean, even social news. I mean, it's, you can talk about anything. You have a lot of well-rounded women in the league. And do a lot of women talk about their business interests and what they're doing off the court in the locker room also? Without a doubt. Um, I mean, you have a lot of different players that are sponsored by different uh, companies and different um, organizations. And you have a lot of people that just want you to get to know what they do off of the court. Yep. And I think that that's kind of what really distinguishes our league is yep. that because of the several degrees that we have um, and obviously because of us being able to experience overseas, experience a different life in a different area, it really broadens our horizon. And that allows for some really colorful experiences, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of playing overseas, which is a big thing, and WNBA, about how many girls get to play at WNBA and overseas? Um, is it like half your league? Is it 
Is it a big number? Is it a smaller number? I think uh, it's it's harder to get on a WNBA team than it is to go overseas, obviously. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because, um, I mean, the competition here is, it's a bit, it's a bit more rigorous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I would say almost everybody in the WNBA also plays overseas. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and then here and there, you might have some overseas players that'll make a team. Got it. Yeah, you have several. It's not, it's not uncommon to have a rookie that's been playing professionally for like six years. Oh, overseas. Yeah, it's yeah. not uncommon. No, gotcha. Yeah. And what's the pay like over there? Um, so I'm very blessed because post players get paid more. Uh, than guards do. They pay post players more yeah, overseas. Post players are of more value. Got it. Yeah, in the market than the guards are. Um, but then you have some. You also have some really good post players overseas. Most of them are obviously like the major stars of um, overseas, like people like Liz Cambage, and you yep. have a couple of people in Russia and Turkey. Um, but you also see a lot of these girls that have a dual citizenship. That also allows for. A better paycheck Got it. because you don't occupy an American space on a team yep. which is why like on my team so tell us what that means like because overseas is there some rules yeah with Americans so there's certain there's certain countries like I think in Spain African passports also count as foreign passports Got it. whereas if I were to have an African passport and try to use it on like in my team in Russia it wouldn't count in that do you, do market, you have a passport a Nigerian passport also do you carry dual passports no I just carry my American. American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and so um, with so on my team, I play with Angel McCutcher and Epiphany Prince, but in the Russian league, you're only allowed two Americans per team. Yeah, and that's if you were to hear that, that's three. But Epiphany Prince has been Russian for oh, about seven, eight years now. So me and Angel count as the Americans. Got it. So it's kind of like more bang for your buck, I guess you could say. Got it. So that yeah. allows her to make more money because she doesn't exactly. occupy one of those American roster spots. Exactly. Got yeah, it. and I think it's different for guys. I think guys have a little bit more leeway. Like when I played in China, it was only one American per team, whereas the men have more money. So I think you can have two Americans and then one um, Asian, one other Asian player that isn't Chinese. Yeah. Got it. Now, are there players yourself or others who are making more from their overseas salary than WNBA salary? I mean, I would think almost everyone. Most everyone is? I would think so. That's what I. That's what I thought. Most yeah. everyone makes more playing over there. Yeah. Than they do here. So what? So then, what is the incentive to keep playing WNBA? Is it because it's the ma- it's the best league? I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Best league. It's a passion. Um, playing at home. Yeah. Um, playing in the WNBA also gives you exposure for overseas deals. Oh, got it. Got it. Um, it prepares you for world championships, Olympics, and it gets you better. Got it. Yeah. And. What is it like to play? I mean, you play two professional seasons a year. Yeah. Like, no other sport do they do that. You play overseas a season, and then you play here. So what is that like? It's funny because when people see me here in LA, they're like, oh, you play for the Sparks, you're back in season. <laughs> and they're like, so where are you in the off season? And I'm like, well, I live in Russia. Like, they ask me where I live. I'm like, I live in Russia. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm there for seven months. That's where I live. That's where I make, you know, a bulk of my living. Um, but So you spend seven months there and how many months? About five here. So brother, five here. Yeah. And of those seven there, you're playing all the way through? Yeah, two games a week. Two games a week. Mm-hmm. And the five months here, you're playing? Maybe like three games a week. For the whole five months? Yeah, for so the most how, part. So how much downtime do you get? I get like two weeks in between each season. Oh. 
<laughs> and then days off. Wow. Besides, I'm, I wasn't even talking. Forget, obviously, you get days off during the season. But in between your two professional seasons, mm -hmm. you get like 14 days. Yeah, so last and year. Is that counting travel? Because you're going to travel like a day. So last year, we won on. Both leagues. Yeah. We won the championship for his NBA October 20th. I was in Russia November 1st. And first I day played of a game on the 2nd. November 2nd? Yeah. So you missed training camp? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Training camp was like, training camp started in like September. Wow. Yeah. So you really <laughs> had no days almost. Yeah, no days. Wow. That's like totally different. But you're just used to it now? Yeah. That's what I try to tell people. You know, it sounds, I mean, you know, there's ups and downs to every everything in life. Um, but you kind of got to make it work. So for me, if I don't get breaks, I really optimize my off days and then I don't push myself past my limit. Like I know when my body is tired, I know when it's too much and I'll communicate that to my coach and I just kind of make it work. But something that I do control is, you know, like what I put in my body and stuff like that. And so rest you hit. That's why you were at the party the other night. Yeah, that's why I couldn't You're make watching it. on Snapchat. I was watching home. it on Snapchat. <laughs> Somehow, Neck is making her grueling schedule work. But are her investments working out? Well, that's coming right after the break. All right, let's get back to the conversation with Neka Ogumake. So you don't get much days off. You try and maximize your days off. But talking about like business off the court, because you obviously focus on that too. Are, have you made investments in starting investing the money that you make? And do you, do you have time to do it? Oh yeah. Um, I guess. The first investment I made in myself was when we first came in and, you know, they gave us a rookie orientation and they told us about 401k. So I've maxed out my 401k every year. It's maxed every out. Every year you yeah. max it out. Every year it's maxed out. So then I think they match it to the quarter. They match a quarter to the dollar. Wow, the like league that. does. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. So by the time I get out, I'll be good. That was kind of, I guess you could say my first investment. And then my parents helped me. Um, invest a few things uh, when it comes to like stocks and bonds not a lot because um they're really heavy on um property got it and they i mean they all have their own real estate and my mom she's done a really great job of setting Cheney and i up with our own and um she wants us to really be set by the time i retire yep. you know where i can just come in and learn how to manage it up until when i retire and then kind of you know add whatever i want want to by the time I'm done playing. And you've obviously been thinking and planning for retirement from the day you play, because you said you started doing 401k <laughs> your first check out the gate, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I had it in mind, because why not, you know? And I just feel you're like smart. it makes sense. You know, yeah. you're not really doing anything. It's just taking a little bit out of your check. I mean, for, as a rookie, it felt like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the check was smaller, yeah, yes. the check exactly. was much smaller. But now, when you know when you're making money overseas, you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah it's cool. And plus, I'm making money because they're they're putting. It's coming in. in, yeah. So yeah. And you've been so you've been thinking about it and planning on it. What's what you what do you think to this point has been the best decision you've made business wise? Not buying a car. You don't own a car. Mm -mm. Never owned a car. Mm -mm. Well, I mean, I did when I was in high school, but my parents bought it. Yeah, but as a yeah. professional. Mm -mm. I'm not gonna buy a car till I have a house, and I don't have a house, so. Oh, that's a good, that's that's a great piece it? of advice. Yeah. So no car until you get a house. Yeah. So how do you get back and forth to practice? I mean, they set us up with rentals, so. Oh, so you get around. And there are moments when, like, I'm driving into Staples and, like, I see my, my teammates with their cars and I'm, like, 
driving in my rental. I got like a nice outfit on and then I, I come out of my rental car and I'm just like, oh, I'm like, take a step out of it. It's gonna be worth it. But um, I mean, there's no reason for me to have it. I'm not home. Yeah, so. You're only here five months. Yeah, so. And then when you're in Russia, they give you a rental also? What do they do? How do you get around Russia, um, they used to let people drive, but not anymore. I have a driver in Russia. You have a driver. Yeah. The team provides you a driver. Yeah, the team provides a driver. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's very helpful. It's very helpful. Helps yeah. you get around. Yeah. And the I, driver's I with you 24-7? On call. On call. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I know you wish you could bring that driver everywhere you went. But I like driving myself. Do you really? Yeah. I'm, like, that's the that's the number one thing I miss when I come back, is driving myself. You're ready to get back in your rental. Yeah. That's yeah, it, back in my rental. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait, but do you get to pick the rental, or is it just whatever? No, they, you get to pick it. So they give yeah. you, like, some choices? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I think I'm in, the, like, a Jeep Renegade right now or something. Oh, that's nice. It's a cute little car. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. your teammates show up in, like... Range Teslas. I'm just like, oh gosh. <laughs> and when you when you're able when you finally do decide to get your car, what kind of car are you gonna get? Range Rover, full size. Full size Range Rover. Yeah, Color? All, all black. Interior, everything? Yeah. Oh, you haven't thought about this car thing at all. No, not at all. You haven't I'm car, still trying to figure it out. Car schmar. You haven't <laughs> thought about this car thing at all. You're still thinking about it. you love that rental. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the best. Hey, it gets me from A to B. Exactly. Yeah. You're always on time. You're good to go. Yeah. And um, obviously, you have on the Yeezys, which are dope, but you and your sister obviously did a deal with Adidas together, which seems like a great business decision, too. Yes. Have you enjoyed that, being with her and being able to have the same shoe brand and, oh, and yeah. working with them together? Yeah, it's been pretty amazing. Um, we were welcomed. I mean, you know, the way that I see it is... Uh, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy what I'm doing with Adidas without, obviously, um, what Nike did for me as well. Um, but it was it was pretty amazing when they brought us in and the deal that we were able to make happen. And we look forward to um, empowering people and obviously here to create. That's our thing. You know, yep. we really want to be a big part of that campaign. That's amazing. Yeah. And do you guys? And that decision, do you guys make it together? Do you let your agent go off and make it? Or how much influence do you guys have on those deals? And how much do you make them together, you and her together? Oh, we're hands-on. I mean, our agent does the dirty work. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, we're hands-on. We communicate what we want, how we want it. How we want it communicated, too, is really important. Um, and we kind of just make it happen. And how much, when you're making any decision, career decision, how much does money influence that? Like, how much is it just about, like, find me the deal with the most? Do you tell your agent, just go find the most money? Or do you, like, think about it as just a straight money thing? No, it's not a straight money thing. For me, it's all about a balance. Um, I've had experiences where, you know, I've kind of lost money in, like, overseas deals. Yeah. Um, but the situation got me to a better situation. When you, you know? say lost money, you mean? I've had to be bought. I've, I've been bought out before. Got it. Yeah, I've been bought like out you before. you played for one team and another team wanted you? I signed for another team. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it, the deal didn't work out like how I wanted. And so another team was able to buy me out. And then I ended up, I'm about to be four years now in, with the current team that I'm on. And yep. it's been an awesome experience. So they bought you out from another team? So I was playing in Poland, signed to a team in Russia. Wasn't so crazy about going to that team. And a team in China bought me out. So I played in China for a year before mm -hmm. I went to my current team, which where I've, it's where I've been for four years now. And you think you'll stay there? You like it there? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And it's not always about the money because there have been deals that have offered more, but... 
to me, it's a balance all about, you know, safety and location and teammates and stuff like that. So in 16, you won WNBA and your league championship. Congratulations. Thank you. And after that, did you and your agent sit down and kind of talk about like, wow, we have all this kind of firepower behind us. We've just won both. We got to hit them and hit them while we got the muscle right now. Mm -hmm. Let's go and like do great things right now. Did you did you have that thinking in that conversation? I started having it when people were like, hey, do you realize what your life is like right now? <laughs> and it was definitely mostly for my uncle. He is like, go push it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm still trying to get used to, you know, this type of, I guess, stature, you yep. know, uh, and I just kind of got to roll with it, but I also can't, you know, I can't quiet myself. I gotta, go I gotta stand it. tall and go for it. Yeah. Are you having fun? Yes. You're doing a great job at it. Thank I mean, you. You're doing a great job. Congratulations. Like the, you know, as body issue, this, that, and you got a lot more winning and playing to do. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And as you think about going forward in your career, and as you said, you've been doing 401k, you obviously have your parents who've mm -hmm. taught you a lot. How do you figure out your budget and how do you do budget? And is it, is, it, is it like a secret to saving money and budgeting? Obviously, you haven't bought a car yet. Yeah, I mean, that's like one huge, I guess, purchase that I haven't made. But when it comes to, when it comes to spending money, um, my thing is that I, I like to spend money on other people. So I can get a little overwhelmed. I can get a little, <laughs> I can get a little carried away. But um, my mom always, you know, she's always, because my mom is, you know, she's really, she's really good with her money. She's definitely, she's one of those, she, she like keeps all the tags on her clothes. And then like, if it goes on sale, she's going to go and try and, wow. yeah, she's really good with her money. That's talented. But she gets quality buys. That's the thing. Yeah. And so I try to, I'm like, I'm really bad with returning things once i buy something i don't like to Maybe. return it if i don't like it i'll just give it away that's exactly what i your do your mom must think what does your mom think of that my well we'll find out because that's the first time i've said it out loud <laughs> <laughs> but i just don't like returning things so yeah. i've actually recently my new year's resolution was like keep your receipt and look at your receipt and so i've realized sometimes like hey wait a minute i didn't buy that Especially at the restaurant, because I, I spend money. If it's anything, I spend all my money on food. On food. Yeah. Food is one thing that I will spend money on. That's your thing. Yeah. So, you know, I've learned to keep my receipts, and um, I try my best uh, to keep keep a certain budget each month. You know, it's not necessarily like, we spend this much on that, spend this much on that. But I try to keep a certain budget, because I usually spend most of my money when I'm over here. When I'm in Russia, spend I'm not spending any money. Yeah, I just go to the grocery store, yep. and that's it, yeah. But when you're in L.A. It's on and popping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get it. And is there any advice, like, that you've learned from your parents and also now being a pro for so long that you would give to, like, rookies in your sport or women that are coming in and turning pro just now? Yes. Um, when it comes to managing your finances, you have to listen to those before you because I think that, no matter what, whether someone's made more or less than what you are making or what you will make, they, they've been around longer. So they probably have a better aspect, a better perspective on how to spend money. Mm -hmm. um, and then secondly, prepare yourself, especially as an athlete. Like for me, I'm, I'm just now looking into um, ensuring myself, like my body. Because we live in a profession where 
Of course, one thing, yeah. Yeah, not that you could never play again, but, you know, you can lose a lot if you yep. have an injury and stuff yep. like that. So you really have to secure yourself. Absolutely. And is there, is there a... Is there a bump in the road that you went through that you that you would tell them about? Like, hey, here's something I did that you want to avoid. Um, I mean, I think when it came to when I when I uh, in the when I was a rookie, I was obviously managing my money because I hadn't been making that type of money before. And I feel like there's always two extremes. It's like, oh, drop bands on it, <laughs> or I'm just gonna go get Chipotle and then go back to my house. Yeah. That, that's who I was. Yeah. And so once you start making more money, you shouldn't get too carried away. Yeah. Um, I just I just really think that people, you just gotta be smart, but at the same time, I always tell people you can't completely cut yourself off from things that you want. I think here and there you should treat yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And are you, you've obviously been a pro for a while now, but as rookies come into your locker room, whether it be in Russia or here, probably a lot here in America, are you conscious of, because as you said, you pull up to the arena in your rental and you see teammates jumping out of Teslas mm -hmm. and Range Rovers and that. So imagine as a rookie, exactly. I don't have nearly enough money to even be thinking about yeah. a Tesla. So are you and or other women in your locker room conscious of the messages we send to these rookies? And it's so funny that you say that because that was the first thing that my veterans taught me is that they said, hey, you're going to be in a league. You feel like one of us because you're here now. Yep. It's your first year, though. So don't think because I'm wearing Gucci that you can go buy Gucci. You have to realize that that Gucci belt that someone may be wearing may be the only one that they have. <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah. And I've seen a lot of different, um, when I was working, I've seen a lot of uh, different people kind of fall into that. Of course. And then they either can't get a job or they're struggling to try and, you know, live from check to check and they don't realize that, hey, you, you can establish that life after you've established yourself. Got it, exactly. Yeah. After, and, and don't succumb to that pressure exactly. that I need to keep up. It's hard. It's hard, it's right? It's hard because you want to feel like a professional. Yeah. But it, it, your time will come. Exactly. Yeah. And is there, obviously you said you love to spend money on food. Is there like one guilty pleasure restaurant that's really expensive or one meal that you just always have to have or any purchase that's like a yes. thing you can't stop doing? Um... Yeah, I guess you could say when I'm in Russia, I always go to Nobu. <laughs> always. I always go to Nobu. By yourself or you take I people? go with my teammates. Got I don't it. pay for other people. <laughs> I pay for myself. Got it. But, you know, I always go to Nobu. Always go to Nobu. You yeah, can't stop. No. No matter how expensive the raw fish is. I'm going to get that crispy rice every time. <laughs> is there something that you've bought that's, like, very rewarding that you, like, as a pro, there's something, you whether you always wanted it and you had to wait till you made enough money, that, like, I'm so happy I own this and I bought this? Um, yes. It actually happened, what, a couple weeks ago. Tell us. I bought my first pair. I bought my own, myself, my first pair of diamond earrings. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a thing. It felt so for awesome. Woman to have diamond earrings. I still bargained it down, but did you really? Yeah. <laughs> but it felt great. But you got you got them. Um, how often yeah. did you wear them? I I mean I, I put them on in the store. Yeah. yeah. And when you got home, because I still do this. I did this as a kid too. When you got home, did you put them on and just look at them for a while? Yeah. I was just like, okay, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> They're like small though. So. And. 
You obviously have thought about retirement. Have you thought about life after basketball and what you want to do and what you're thinking about doing? Yes. Um, I want to go back to school. Um, I've thought about it a long time and I want, I think I want to get a master's in public relations and I would like to involve myself um, maybe in the sports world again, um, maybe as like a president. Of a club. Of a, yeah, of a club or even the league, you know? Yep. Yeah. And you know, I was at dinner last night and I happened to see Michael Strahan. I was explaining uh, to the people I was with that he was so smart because he's, People didn't realize, I didn't realize it, he was setting himself up yeah. long before he retired for what he's doing. Have you started doing that? Like, as you want to be a president of a club, have you started sending those signals or messages or learning what a president's job is? I'm starting now, um, picking brains, networking, staying connected. Obviously, getting your face out there is, is what's most important. And so once you get your face out there, you have to have people remember your face. And so I'm really trying my best to... Um, just be in as many places as I can, and also um, respecting what other people bring to the job as well, because by the time I get to where I wanna go, I don't wanna just mimic someone, I wanna be able to bring what I can bring. So I try my best to um, involve myself, and I think being president of the union really helps that too. Yeah, absolutely, and that's after basketball, but now while you're still playing, have you thought about, or are you doing, kind of what we call a side hustle, like everybody has a side hustle these days, right? That's a very, millennial thinking thing like this is my job but I'm also going to like yeah, dabble in this yeah. and try and figure that out. Do you have a side hustle that you're already thinking about or doing? I haven't. You no, haven't yet? No, I mean I think the only side hustle I have is the properties that my mom has gotten. Well that's a good yeah. one. That's, and a, that's like, a side That's official. Yeah. And um, she obviously is like hey I'm looking into this I'm looking into that. I just told her recently I was like you know I think I might look into a property here in LA. And What did she say? She said to be very careful because the market here is not like it is in Texas. <laughs> so she said to be careful and she's going to help me. So um, I think it would be awesome. If so I this would be a house for you to live in? I don't know yet. Um, or just a property to own? Maybe just a property to own. But I'm also thinking if I had, you know, a property of my, my own uh, and then I could lease it out when I'm not in it and stuff like that. So, exactly. That's yeah. what I was thinking. So last question and to wrap is a fun one. I ask everyone. So what is the one... Now that you're a professional, you make money, you have a job, but what's the one habit that you had that when you didn't have any money, maybe when you were back in the dorms or before that, that now that you make money, you still just can't shake that habit? Like you still do that one thing that you did when you had no money? Um, no matter what store I go into, I always, the first place I go to is the clearance rack. No matter what store. <laughs> no matter care. what you're looking for. It doesn't matter where I'm going. You want to go to the clearance rack? Always. And see what they have there. Yep. And Just in case. Yeah, I work from the bottom up. You work from the bottom yep. up. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Needing Dough, the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Until then, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. It's free. It helps others find the show. And that way, you never miss an episode. Thanks again to our partners for this show, Chase. Head over to Chase.com to see what Chase has to offer. Our executive producers are myself, TD St. Matthew Daniel, and Ben Adair. And I'm Andrew Hawkins, a.k.a. Hawk, telling you what a wise man always told me. A penny saved is a penny earned.